I don't know if anybody else noticed it. I was particularly conscious this morning of a theme that was that was going through the the group that was that I just saw God leading us in a certain direction this morning, and I guess I was especially sensitive to it because it was the theme that's been on my mind as I've been studying in First Corinthians and this passage we're going to be looking at. And I don't know, anybody, did anybody else? I'll see. Did anybody else notice what that theme was this morning? There, there may have been. It was more at the beginning than at the end. I, I would say, but there was a particular theme that sort of seemed to be going around. Anybody notice it? It had to do with the spirit of God, God's spirit among us, and how how we are being led by the spirit of God. The songs, the passages of scripture that were read, had much to do with that. And so this morning, we're going to be carrying on in the book of 1 Corinthians. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'll be reading the first portion of this passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready, for you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor, for we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Let's just pray. Father, we come to you this morning, and we just acknowledge once again that we need you. We need your Holy Spirit within us. As the previous passage in 1 Corinthians has taught us, that we are speaking about spiritual things, spiritual truths, and we need spiritual minds to receive these things. Minds that are led and taught and listening, attentive to your spirit. And so, God, we would ask that through your spirit, who lives within us, that we would listen and hear and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've just finished studying through chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. And what was probably one of the principles, especially the latter half of that, what was one of the principal Topics that Paul is addressing in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The wisdom of God. Okay, the wisdom of God. Okay. Yeah, particularly our absolute and total necessity on the Spirit of God within us to be able to understand and grasp the things of God. Right? You cannot come to God with a fleshly, carnal mind a mind that is driven by the things of this world, 
and understand God's wisdom. You cannot do that. It is dependent on the Spirit of God to reveal these things to us. That verse 13 says in chapter 2, This is what we speak, not in words taught, by, taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in, in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. There is an absolute essential need for God's Spirit to be within us to be able to understand these things. But not only does God's Spirit need to be in us, we see that there is, there is something more that Paul is going to address here now. Just because we have God's Spirit within us does not mean that we are living spiritually. We can be living carnally. We can be living according to the flesh, yet have God's Spirit within us. What a travesty that God's very Spirit, His greatest gift to us, in a sense, to be able to live out the Christian life is ours, and yet we, re we go back to the pig's trough of worldliness. And we live there. And that is what Paul addresses next. So we see this passage in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and, and Paul is painting this beautiful picture of what it's like to have the Spirit of God and the mind of, of God through the Spirit to understand these things, these deep spiritual truths that are ours. And then he says, after talking about this and, and pointing out what it's like to have the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit and to know God through the Spirit. And he says, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual. Now, he's looking back to when he first was with the Corinthians. And he's looking back and he's saying, I could not address you as spiritual at that time. And in a sense, it makes sense. They were new believers. They were, it was brand new to them. So he said, I... You were mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food. Our teaching and our preaching needs to be appropriate to the audience that we're speaking to. You cannot take infants in the Lord and expect them to grasp immediately the deep truths of God. The things that the Spirit needs to teach us. There needs to be maturity and growth and a development that takes place for those things to be able to be grasped by our minds. So Paul says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. But here is where it is a travesty. He says, indeed, you are still not ready for it. That not ready for it. It's, it's the, that Greek word dynamos. It's the, the idea of power. You lack the power for this. You don't have the strength in yourselves for this. You didn't have it then, and you don't have it now. And then Paul says, and here's how I know you don't have it. Here's how I know you're still 
weak. And you're still going after worldliness. Here's how I know it. Because there's jealousy and quarreling among you. Because of this strife in the body of Christ. Strife among the believers. Who's better? Who has it all together? Who's smarter? Whose theology trumps this person's theology? Let's fight it out. Let's duke it out and get to the, get to the bottom of who's the best. I was watching a video about the um, is about the evolution of artillery. <laughs> Just back all the way back into the fourth century BC, when the Greeks first started to develop. There followed. It may have been somebody else, but they know of the Greeks developing devices that could propel some sort of object further than man could throw it or just by man's strength. And they started developing this. And, and the art of warfare has developed over the years. And really, if you think about technology, innovation, industry, huge amounts of that are devoted towards being able to kill your enemy better then your enemy can kill you. How can we do more destruction to them from a greater distance away so that they can't get to us first? And that's where the development of artillery came from, is how can we destroy them in their castle? How can we destroy them from, from long distance before they can get to us? And why am I bringing this up? Because the world and the flesh is all about how can I destroy my enemy? How can I trump myself over them? The, the thing that holds us back from absolutely the world from being in total anarchy and total attacking and destroying one another constantly is the fear that they might be better than us. The fear that they might be able to conquer us if we go to war against them. So it holds man back from utterly destroying each other often. Just the fear of, can I win? Now, I know there's other factors involved as well. And there are people that have a conscience that says this is wrong, we shouldn't do that, because God has given us a, a conscience. But there's much that holds us back from the fear of losing. Because within us, within our flesh there is always that innate desire of the flesh to put myself above another, to elevate myself above those, to have the things they have, this jealousy and this quarreling. See, Paul looks at the church and he says there's worldliness, the same attitude that's in the world of trying to take what isn't mine, of trying to fight for, with my brothers and sisters to elevate myself above my, my brother and sister. He said, I see that in the church, and that's pure worldliness. That's pure fleshly desires warring against you. And if that's what you're like, you cannot be spiritual and be like that at the same time. 
So this passage, I believe, and we look at it and we think it's about divisions in the church. And that that's what Paul's great concern is. But Paul is pointing to the divisions in the church to address the root of the problem. And the root of the problem isn't the quarrels and the fighting. It's that they're not spiritual. They're not being led by the Spirit of God. They're not following the Spirit of God. They're following their fleshly desires. And this isn't an isolated situation in Corinth. It's not the first time that Paul addresses this necessity of being spiritual. Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that on what that nature desires. The sinful nature, a lot of your Bibles would probably say flesh. It's the same same idea. The fleshly desires, those those carnal things, those innate desires that want us to have for myself the best for me. At whatever cost it takes. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So you see that? Those who live according to the sinful nature of the flesh have their minds set on what the, that, fleshly, that flesh desires. Your mind is fixated on it. I want that. I want what my flesh wants. I want to have it. But those who have the Spirit are supposed to have their minds Focused on what does the Spirit of God want? What is His desire? Not what's my desire. What is the Spirit's desire for me? But those who live according to, in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. This renewing of our minds, that's what it is. It's that our minds being transformed from thinking about all that I want for me to push myself forward and to be more of what I could be is rather a mindset of what does the Spirit of God want me to be? What does the Spirit of God want this church to be? What does the Spirit of God want my family to be? And I'm thinking about that all the time. And I'm praying to God, let me be a Spirit-led man, a Spirit-led woman. Spirit of God, Take me by the hand and lead me. For the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. So Paul is looking in 1 Corinthians. He's looking at these Corinthian believers. And he's saying, I could not address you as spiritual when you first became believers because you were infants and you were immature and you weren't ready for it. And he said, and you're still like that. You haven't matured. You haven't grown up. You're still immature. 
you're still unspiritual. You're still not walking with the Spirit of God. So, in order for us to walk and be spiritual people, we have to want to know the Spirit. We have to want to have our minds set on what does the Spirit want. We have to be thinking about that, praying about that, talking to God about these things. God, help me. I need to know what you want. And then I want my desires to be transformed from these fleshly desires to be like your Spirit's desires. Ask God to help you with these things. And then there's another thing that needs to be addressed here. In in Romans chapter 8, it says, Therefore, brothers, and this is verse 12, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature of the flesh to live according to it. For if we live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body you will live, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Paul is saying, if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if you just die already right now to the flesh, you can actually live. Right? So there's this this need to just die already to yourself. Lay down and die, O fleshly desires. Put to death those things that keep you from walking with the Spirit. So our minds fixated on what does the Spirit of God want. Our, our fleshly desires being put to death by the power of the Spirit. We can't do that on our own. But asking God... Help me put to death today those fleshly desires. And then Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And I want you to notice how similar Galatians chapter 5 is to what is going on here in 1 Corinthians when, when Paul is talking in chapter 1 and now in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, talking about these divisions, these strifes, these these fightings and quarrelings that are going on, this 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 heart of warfare within the church to to tear each other down. And Paul in chapter 5 of Galatians, he says, You, my brothers, this is starting in verse 13 of chapter 5 of Galatians. You, my brothers, again, that same address that he gives to the Corinthians, my brothers, brothers, like those of the same womb that I have come from, birthed from the same spirit, my brothers, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, rather, or to indulge the flesh, right? That idea, the flesh, worldliness, sinful nature, it's all the same idea here. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then listen to this verse, verse 15. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. That same idea, strife, quarreling, 
biting and devouring each other. It's a very vivid picture. Feasting on each other's flesh. Fighting each other. That's that idea. That's how ugly it is. You will be destroyed by each other. You're destroying each other. And he's, and he's, Paul has warned us, you are to be using your words to encourage one another, to build each other up. But that's not what's happening. You're tearing each other down. You're eating each other. Okay, so this is what's going on here in Galatians. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out. Or you will be destroyed by each other. The next verse says this. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not devour each other. That's not what it says. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh devours each other. The flesh devours your brother or your sister because it wants to elevate itself over them. It wants to be first. It wants to be the highest. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in exact opposition to each other. They are at polar extremes. The spiritual man over here, the worldly man over here, those led by the Spirit over here, those led by the flesh over here. You can't get as far apart from these two things. And yet, they are within each of us. This, this war, this battle is going on. This battle between flesh and spirit. Total extremes, and yet within us. And we are to be submitting ourselves, not to the flesh, to do what its desires are, but constantly and very, very cognitively, consciously, actively trying to listen and obey God's Spirit. They are in conflict. conflict. This is continuing on in chapter 5 of Galatians. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. I'm just going to go down in first, uh, Galatians chapter 5 down to verse 25. It says, Since we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That idea of of keeping in step, of walking with the Spirit. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, when it says, For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, 
Are you not worldly or fleshly? Are you not acting like mere men? That word acting like mere men, it's the same idea of walking around. The, the pattern of your life, but it's that idea of walking, of being in step. You're in step with the flesh if you're acting like a mere man. It's, he's talking when he says a mere, mere man or being like a, a, just a human, fleshly person in juxtaposition to being controlled by the Spirit, right? It's, they're the extremes of each other again. A mere man does not have the Spirit of God. He's not being led by the Spirit of God. He is, he's not saying that's what you are. He's saying you're acting like that. You're walking just as if the Spirit of God isn't even in you. There's no, I can't see the difference. Why can't I see a difference between you and a worldly man? You're not supposed to be that way. You're supposed to look totally different. You're supposed to be controlled by the Spirit. You're supposed to be spiritual. And yet you look like you're not. You see why Paul is so concerned for the Corinthians here. Why we ought to be very concerned for ourselves when we see a pattern of worldliness and fleshliness within us. We ought to be examining ourselves and saying, wait a second, why am I not being spiritual? Why am I being fleshly? Why am I following after the desires of my flesh? I'm supposed to be a spirit-led person. And what does a spirit-led person look like? But the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22 of Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. There is nothing in that list that would lead us to be at war and striving against each other. Nothing there. If we are living according to the Spirit... It will not lead us to fight with one another. Everything here, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are all things that are in opposition to quarreling and fighting. It is the very remedy to quarreling and fighting is being under the total influence of God's Spirit and His fruit living with being, being seen in us being produced in us through, his, through the Spirit as we have our mindset on Him, as we think about what He wants, as we keep in step with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit are the result of doing that. And the obvious, the obvious result of walking with the Spirit and being led by the Spirit is peace, joy, love, Patience, kindness, not quarreling. If there's quarreling and there's strife, you can't be led by the Spirit. You can't be. Because that's not what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. It isn't. It doesn't exist there. That's the flesh. You're being led by the flesh. Right? Paul's saying it can't, they can't be together. It's, it's so obvious. It's so clear to me, Paul is saying, it's so obvious you are totally in the flesh right now. Because that's not what the Spirit of God will ever lead you to be like. Not in, not in this place. Not among God's people. Not when you come together. There should be peace. There should be joy. There should be love for one another. One more passage. 
just to see how prevalent this topic is. It's not, not only is it in, uh, a theme heavy on Paul's heart, but James as well speaks to it. James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? That, that exact same wording that we see in Paul. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. James is looking at it and seeing the same problem. He's seeing the same, the same things going on, these fightings, these quarrelings. And he says, don't you recognize what that is? It's the flesh. Those come from the flesh. Those evil desires that are within you. They're not supposed to be there. You're not supposed to submit to these things. You're not supposed to go there. Turn to God's Spirit. Verse 5, or do you not, or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely, but he gives more grace? That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Submit yourselves then to God. That is that idea of listening to the spirit. Listening, what does God want me to do? How can I please God, Spirit, show me these things, right? Submit yourselves to God. And then, so you ask, show me. And then when God shows you, because He will show you what He wants you to do, God will be faithful to show you how you ought to behave yourself. If you ask Him, ask Him. He will not disappoint you. But you must submit when He says, this is what you're supposed to be like. This is what you're supposed to think like. This is how you're supposed to treat your brother or your sister. This is how you're supposed to behave in your families and in this church. Ask Him for help. He will show you how to behave yourself and how to act. But submit then to Him and obey what He says. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. When God's creature, through the Spirit, speaking through them, comes and says to a church, Listen. Listen. You're in the flesh. You're not being led by the Spirit. You've gone worldly. If you hear that, if you see that in your life, the response to that isn't to try and push it aside and pretend it's not there. The response to that is to submit, to humble yourself, to cry, to mourn, to weep, to recognize this is so wrong. I'm a child of God. I'm not supposed to be like this. I'm supposed to be 
purified by God. I'm supposed to be living according to the Spirit. Be changed by God's Spirit. Grieve, mourn, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. Back into 1 Corinthians chapter 3. What, after all, is Apollos? This is verse 5. And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. That idea that we just saw there in, in James. Submit yourselves unto God, and He will lift you up. We cannot miss what Paul has been saying in chapter 2 and chapter 1 and now in chapter 3. God, it's all about God. We are nothing. Don't look at the preacher. Don't look at the person beside you. Don't even look at yourself. Look to God for growth. I can throw a seed in the ground in my garden. I can pour water on that seed, or my daughters can come behind me and pour water on that seed. Nothing is happening to that seed unless God makes it grow. I may be planting right now, I may be watering right now, but nothing's going to happen in your mind. Nothing unless God makes it grow. We are needy. We need God. We need His help for everything we do. We need His Spirit for all of our life. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. That is the place of humility to be at. We need to be there in our minds, in our thinking. I am nothing. It is only God. It is only God that is great. It is only God who can make something happen here. It is only God who can take the dead and make them alive. It is only God who can take these stubborn, wicked people and make them grow to become spiritual and godly men and women who obey Him. It is only God who does this. So we preach, we teach, we encourage, we desire, we pray for each other, but we trust God's Spirit to do the work. We have to. We have to, when our children are disobedient and they just seem to not be changing, when our own hearts don't seem to change, when we have struggle with the same sins over and over, when, when we are angry with our brother and sister over stupid things, we need God's help. Go to the Spirit. Die to yourself. 
recognize that you are dependent on God for everything. Be humble in your Christian walk, brother and sister. Humble. For, I say this to myself. We all need more humility. Paul, who we look to and elevate as the great, one of the greatest of the apostles, he says, I am nothing. I am a servant. I'm serving you. It is God. God took me from being a murderer of His people to being who I am. I am nothing. Don't look to me as if I'm this great, wonderful person. Please don't do that. Don't look at Apollos. Don't look at Isaac. Don't look at Forrest. Don't look at Bryce. Don't look at anybody else in this group and say, wow. Look to God. There's a song that we sing at, we, at camp. It's a camp song. And I was thinking about it. And I, as I was thinking about it, I thought, how foolish of us. We sing this song and it's not anything we can do at all. That, and it's that song, it's higher, 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 lift Jesus higher. Lower, 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 stomp Satan lower. And we sing that little ditty song as if we can do any of that. Can you lift Jesus higher? In your own minds, you can recognize and acknowledge he is higher. <laughs> he is elevated above all. But God put him there. God did that. God took Jesus and elevated him above every name. And above all, so that every knee will bow before him. God did that, not you. You didn't put Jesus higher. And you're not going to stomp Satan lower. Do you think you have the power? The archangel Michael said, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Who are we to come and say, I'm going to come with my mighty foot and stomp Satan lower? Are you kidding me? Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, he says, but he doesn't say to stomp the devil lower. Submit yourselves. It's your humility before God and your lowering of yourself that gives you any hope of overcoming Satan's attacks. When we sing lower, 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 stomp, it should be stomp myself lower. Lower myself in my own estimation. Bring myself down to where it ought to be. Let me see me for who I really am before God. And recognize that it is all Him. Father, we do come before You. We thank You that You have not left us as orphans in this world, but that You have given us very, very graciously first of Your Son for our salvation, for our redemption, through the, the washing of His blood as He died on the cross. You have purchased, purchased us, redeemed us back to Yourself. And we thank You first for that. And now, Lord, You did not leave us only to be striving in this world to please You, but You have given us Your very Spirit to live in us. Father, we thank You that You have done this. 
Lord, let us now walk with the Spirit, following Him, submitting to Him, listening to Him. Teach us how to listen. When we hear His voice, let us recognize it. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.